the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the Bible with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez. Today, as we continue with our study in the book of Acts, Paul is on his way to Jerusalem, and along the way he meets with the leaders of Ephesus to encourage and guide them. We'll pick it up in Acts chapter 20, verse 25. The title of the message is Leadership 102. Acts chapter 20. Remember, Paul and his team are on their way to deliver the financial gifts from the Gentile churches to the believers that are at Jerusalem and wanting to minister to the church at Ephesus, but not wanting to end up getting bogged down in the things there they didn't really need him there for. He summons them, these leaders, to the beach at Miletus for a one-day leadership conference there. And last week, we began that, that conference. We saw how he taught these leaders to have solid character, to be courageous, and to consecrate their lives to the ministry that God had called them to. Well, today, we're going to continue this teaching to leaders as Paul covers three more important topics for leaders, their charge, their challenge, and their commendation. And so my hope is as we continue on this, uh, this sermon through these leadership principles, and we move on to leadership 102, that the Lord would give us insight so we would be good leaders in the place that God has called us to be. So chapter 20, we will pick it up in, well, actually, let me, let's just read through the whole thing, and we'll pick it up in verse 25, but we will start in verse 18. And when they were come to him, those are the elders, he said unto them, you know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. This here was his character, the idea that he had the servant's heart. He genuinely loved them, those tears, and he persevered. And then in verse 20, we see the courage that he had. He says, I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but I've showed you and I have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Then his consecration, his commitment to the task at hand. Now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem and not knowing the things that shall befall me there, except that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither do I count my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. 
He wanted to finish his race well, and to do so, he needed to be consecrated to the task. Well, now in verse 25, he shows the leader's charge. He says, and now behold, I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. When he says that I am pure from the blood of all men, that phrase there, pure, means to be clear of any responsibility. Having shared his desire to finish the task that God has given him with joy, Paul declares that he has finished God's work for him in Ephesus. And why can he say that? Why can he say that he's done the job that God sent him to do? He makes it very clear in verse 27. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. He says, I have finished the task God gave me because I taught you all of God's word. All of God's word, I gave it to you. I gave it to you. That's a monumental task. That's a huge task to be able to say to the congregation that God has put you in charge of, to say, I have declared unto you everything that God has had to say. That's our job. I had a awkward conversation with someone this week and they wanted to talk to me about some interesting things that are not in the Bible. And they said, I don't know why preachers don't talk about this more. And I said to him, I said, well, and he asked me, he knew I was a pastor and he asked me and I said, well, the job of the pastor is to preach the word. And what you're talking about is not in the word. God did not call us to preach about the collapse of the United States. He called us to preach the word, all the word, every bit of the word. And that means we need to go through the entire counsel of God. Now, if a man is not headed in the direction of being able to make this claim, then he is not doing his job. If a pastor is not heading in the direction of being able to make this claim someday, then he is not doing his job. Paul says, I have not shunned. The word there is the same word kept back up in verse 20, where I've kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. He says, I have not held back or kept back any of God's counsel to you. Peter, later on, he would say the same thing to pastors when he said to them, feed the flock of God which is among you. Shepherd that flock. The whole job at hand here is to teach the word, to take it from Genesis to Revelation. Now, I believe I'm part of Calvary Chapel, which is why we do that. We believe in going through the word. We start in Genesis, we go to Revelation, and then we do it again. I remember the first time I read through the entire Bible with our kids. And so at the end of it, I think, I don't know if it's Joel or Micah, and, and, one of, and they said, well, Dad, what are we going to read now? We finished the Bible. I said to him, I said, well, do you remember it all? If you love kids, they got to gotta think for a minute. I, mean, I think I remember most of it, yeah. <laughs> he said, no, I don't remember it all, Dad. I said, well, that's why we're going to do it again. We're going to start over and do it again. I always said, one of the best things that you and I can do as Christians is just pick up our Bible every day. And you start it in Genesis and you just read all the way through. And then when you get done, you do it again. I have found, you say, you know, you can learn it by osmosis. But really, I don't know about you, but I learn it just by reading it. I learn it just by reading through it. I pick up so much. And, and then the next time through, I pick up more that I missed the first time. And then, then the next time through, you pick up more. And you just learn more each time you go through the Bible. It is his word to us. 
I was telling a bunch of guys the other day, you know, the greatest miracle that God has given to us is his word. Do you know that? Turn over to the book of Deuteronomy. It's one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Deuteronomy 4, verse 32. Deuteronomy 4. Moses speaking to the people as they're about to go into the land. This is what he has to say to them. He says in verse 32, For ask now of the days that are past which went before you, since the day that God created man upon the earth, and ask from the one side of heaven and unto the other whether there has been any such thing as this great thing is or has been heard like it. In other words, he says, I mean, you kind of think creation's kind of a miracle, I mean, kind of powerful. It's kind of, right? Pretty amazing thing that God spoke and flung the universe into existence, right? Pretty powerful, pretty amazing miracle. He says, ask now, go back to all the days of creation and ask if there's ever been such a great thing as this. He says, I'm gonna tell you about something that's even more powerful, more miraculous than that. Verse 33, what could that be? What could be more powerful or supernatural than creation? Verse 33, here it is. Did ever people hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire as you have heard it? and live. Isn't that amazing? You hold in your hand the greatest miracle of all. Greater than the resurrection, greater than creation, this right here, that God would speak to man and that we would still live. That I could open up, and these are the very inspired words of God, and that I still live. That's an amazing thing. That he would speak to us out of his glory That is why we put such emphasis upon it here at Calvary Chapel. It's our task. It's our job. It's my job. If I'm not heading in that direction, I'm not doing my job. And someday I want to be able to say with Paul that I have run my race. I have fought the good fight. The word there, good, it means the right fight. You can fight lots of fights. There's lots of good things out there you can fight for. But there's certain things that God has called you to do to lay your life down for. That's your right fight. This is my fight. This is the task that God has set before me and I want to be able to run my race correctly. I want to be able at the end of my life to say that I am pure from the blood of all the men and women at Calvary Chapel Orlando because I have not shunned to declare unto you all the full counsel of God, all of God's word. The leader's charge is to preach the word. That's the first thing he tells Timothy. He says, what do you need to do, Timothy? Preach the word. That was the main task, and it will always be our main task here. Next, he moves on now to the leader's challenge. In verse 28, Therefore, take heed unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. There is a two-pronged challenge here to the leader. The first challenge is personal. He says, take heed therefore unto yourselves. To do this task, this charge that he's given to us, there is a challenge that we face. And that first part of that challenge is to ourselves. The word there, take heed, means to pay attention to something or to keep your guard up. He says, keep your guard up concerning yourself. Pay attention to your own walk with the Lord. The minister's first priority, the leader's first priority must always be his own spiritual health. I cannot take people where I have not been. And if I am not staying close to Jesus, I can't help others get closer to him. 
I don't usually give a Father's Day message. I figure every day is a Father's Day message. It's always time to beat up on dads, so, right? Go get them. But, but the idea here is the challenges we face as a dad to parent our kids, to lead our families, to lay our lives down for our wives. If we're going to do that, we first need to be at the feet of Jesus. More than anything else, when I had kids, I realized I needed Jesus, okay? I was like, how do you communicate with this little thing? I'm not mom. So mom has these unique ability to just kind of help the child. There's just just, this mom, you know? But I'm dad. (laughs) And and dad's different. You know, dad has his own type of comfort, but it's not mom. (laughs) And and so, you know, I think, how do I do this? How do I communicate with this this creature? How do do I lead this creature? How How do I help them to understand what God has for them? How do you combat the questions that come when your child says to you, dad, how come we prayed last night that I wouldn't have any bad dreams and I still had a bad dream? How do you answer that? How do you answer the question when your six-year-old comes to you and says, Dad, I know I've asked Jesus into my heart, but I feel like I'm such a failure and I'm just so scared of going to hell because I think God doesn't love me. You think to yourself, it's more than just theology now. I've got to be able to have the right words to say so I can speak into this kid's life, that I can disciple this child and bring him into a proper relationship with Jesus Christ where someday when he leaves my home or when she leaves my home, that they will know the Lord, that they will understand the truths of God and be able to implement them in their lives when I'm not there. It's a monumental task. And to do that, you must be close to Jesus yourself. I need to spend time in the word for myself before I ever move into a Bible study designed to help anyone else. If it has not hit me right here in the heart first, I have no business bringing it to anyone else. So having taken care of your own spiritual health, then how does a leader care for the flock that God has entrusted to him? Well, we keep reading. He says, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock. He says, over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. But how you do it is to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. Now, the word there, feed, means to shepherd. And this is where we get the word pastor from. The word pastor just means shepherd. All three words used for the church leader are in this sermon. Elder, which is used up in verse 17 when he called for the elders of the church. Overseers is used here. That's another word is bishop is how that's used. And then to feed is to shepherd or where we use to get the word pastor. Each of those words refer to the same role, okay? These are not different leadership positions in the church. Each word emphasizes the different tasks that a minister has. Elder, the word elder represents his living example, a mature Christian life. That is, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. A minister needs to be able to say, if you want to know how to be a Christian, look at my life. If you want to know how to be a Christian man, look at my life. If you want to know how to be a Christian dad, look at my life. If you want to know how to be a Christian husband, look at my life. If the person cannot do that, they should not be in the pulpit. So the elder, the idea of that word, it's, it's the same word for the position, but it emphasizes his living example, that he's to be an example to the church. Bishop or overseer 
represents his leadership role, that he is to oversee the affairs of the church. He is to take the leadership thereof. He cannot just sit back and let someone else do the job and say, well, you know, I don't know what to do. And, you know, I mean, someone else needs to make this decision. It's too hard. He has to be able to stay on the front lines and say to the enemy, if you're going to get to the body, you must come through me. He cannot run. That's a hireling. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, right? And that's what, when we come back to the idea of dads, it's the same thing. It's a leadership role. You can't push things off on your wife. Well, you take care of that. It's too complicated for me. Because I trust me, they will do it because they're pretty sure you're going to mess it up. <laughs> but they're not meant to carry those burdens around. God has called you to. And so you've got to come to him and unload those burdens upon him and yoke in with him. And you've got to look to him and go, how do we do this? I don't know how to do this. And he'll go, it's okay. Lock in with me. Yoke in with me. I will lead the way. I will shoulder the burden. But you've got to lead with me here. It's our responsibility as fathers to do that. And pastor, that represents his work to love and feed God's people. See, the task of pastoring requires two things. Number one, you must remember they are God's flock. You're feeding the church of God, not your church. They are God's flock, not mine. This isn't the Will Show or anybody else's show, you know? This is the Jesus show. <laughs> and if it ever stops being Jesus' show, then, then we need to stop doing what we're doing or get refocused because he's the one who purchased you with his blood, not me or any other minister. He's the one who bought you. He's the one you're here to see. And anytime that changes, we've lost our focus. But the second requirement for the task of pastoring, as I said earlier, is to teach the word but not just teach the word, to give God's people a well-rounded meal of his word, to teach from both the pulpit and in one-on-one -on -one conversation with people in such a way that they can understand his word and apply all of God's counsel to their lives. One of my privileges is when I stand back at that line and someone comes up and says, you know, you said this today, but I didn't quite understand how, how it works with this. Or, or I, I, maybe I felt like a little discouraged or condemned or whatever. Or may, I just felt like maybe I'm not up to this challenge. And, and it's that wonderful one-on-one -on -one time to clarify and to give more scripture and to disciple and to encourage and to strengthen so that when everybody leaves here, they understand his word and they know how to apply it to their lives. They're more in love with him as a result. You know, Paul, he emphasizes this because every leader faces the danger of getting off track in these two areas. Every leader faces the danger of thinking to themselves, this is, this is man, this is amazing. God is just using me and, you know, and to think it's your flock or to think that the things that you have to say are so important that you can skip some of the things that are in here. Now, one real quick thing before we move on. Notice here it mentions that it says which he has purchased with his own blood. It is the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. You caught anything there? Let me say it again. The church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. Who purchased us with his blood? Jesus. He is God. Jesus is the one who shed his blood. So very clearly here, he is called God. This is just one of the many places that Jesus is called God in the Bible. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise.
Now, verse 29 the danger that these leaders faced, the challenge that was in front of them to do these things, there was a danger that they faced. And so Paul explains this. He goes, for I know this. This is why I've given you this challenge, because I know this, that after my departing, after I leave, after I'm dead, that grievous wolves shall enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Vicious and cruel wolves will enter in among your leadership team, not sparing the flock. You know, wolves don't spare anything because they're there only to feed themselves. They don't leave anything behind. They don't share. They're not there for that. They're there to devour. Jesus and Paul both compare false teachers to wolves. Now, we don't know what kind of false teachers Paul anticipated, but we do know what happened. While Paul was in prison at Rome, he will be visited by a man from the church at Colossae who is named Epaphras, who tells Paul that false teachers have come to that region of Asia. And then Paul writes the book of Ephesians and Colossians at this time, letters sent to correct these false teachings. And then he also dispatches Timothy to Ephesus to become the new lead pastor there to, to deal with these things. And in his two letters to Timothy, he confronts some of these false teachings that have crept into the church there at Ephesus. Now, the sad part is that some of these false teachers actually arose from this group of people Paul was meeting with on the beach. Verse 30, also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. The word there, perverse, means to cause someone to turn aside from the truth, to lead them into wrong behavior. And why do they do that? How do they do that? Because they're drawing them after themselves. They're luring them away from following Jesus to following them. Instead of making disciples of Jesus, some of the men on the very men on this beach would seek to build their own kingdom in Jesus's name. How do you tell the difference between a sheep and a wolf? Because you say, Lord, that's, that's crazy that there might be people in, in our very midst, there might be people in, in, in his midst you know, that were there that would become false teachers. How do you tell the difference? Well, it's very simple. Sheep eat the word. Wolves eat sheep. It's very simple. What are they consuming? What are they after? If they're after and consuming people, then they're not a, they're not a shepherd, they're a wolf. See, a true leader lays down his life for his sheep just like Jesus did. A false teacher uses the sheep for his own purposes. Now, you might be thinking like me, at least I thought, how could someone who sat under Paul's teaching do this? How could someone who was this close to everybody who was on the team do this? Well, don't forget that Jesus picked Judas, right? We have a tendency to think that false teachers come with requisite pitchfork and demon outfit, you know? that that's how they show up. Hi, I'm here to work. In fact, no one knew it was Judas. They all had to ask, Lord, is it me? Judas was an upstanding guy. He, he was very concerned about the poor because he was stealing the money. He was very good with numbers. He was not the one they suspected. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 15 explains to us it says, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. 
Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. I have seen the people that I have poured into, baptized, discipled, sacrificed time with my family to be with them in their crises, and love them through and through, say some of the most horrible things about me, and then tell others to come to their church instead of ours. It happens. And all of those good things can be forgotten in the moment of a single perceived slight. And thinking themselves to be something, they take a leadership role to themselves and begin to build their own kingdom. It happens. But don't let it happen to you. In Colossians, I think it's chapter 3. Yeah. Verses 12 and 13. This is a good word to all of us. It says, put on, therefore, as the elect of God, who are holy and beloved. It's in light of the fact that God loves you so much, and he's made you holy. He's given you his righteousness. You have not changed yourself. Therefore, put on bowels of mercies. Let your soul be filled with mercy. The bowels was considered the heart where that was at. A soul filled with mercy. Kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will Ramirez, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. If you have any spiritual or physical needs, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at Calvary Chapel Orlando at 407 523 0800 during our office hours Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.